Welcome to another episode of Palm Wine Central Podcast with a collab of um, Stuck in the Stuck in the Middle Podcast um, book review episode. And with me, I got my good peoples, um, beautiful ladies. Starting with T, what's good with you? How are you doing? I'm good, fabulous. Ready to dig into this book. <laughs> I have a few punches to throw, so <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Money, what's good with you? Besides the cold, I'm all right. I'm ready to unpack my feelings towards this book. Barbara, how do you do? Hi, hey, hey, hi! Happy Friday. Okay, okay, Nora. Welcome to the platform. Welcome to the show. Welcome yeah. to the book club review. What's going on? Everything's great. I'm ready. You ready? Well, since you're young, you know, tell us a little bit something about you now before you know, you know, get going. Because I believe people know about us already, so they might be like, hey, who, who, who's this new addition? I beg, let the people you know know a little bit something about you. Um, my name is Nora. I reside in Houston, Texas. I uh, was introduced to this book, book club thanks to Mane, and I like to read, but I don't do it too often. So this is a good chance for me to get to read new books that I probably would have never picked myself. So pretty excited. Nice, nice. Welcome. At least you welcome, dropped welcome. Me. Yeah. You got on when we picked the longer book, so yeah, you. <laughs> but anyways, if you want the latest... um. Um, book review episodes please hit that subscribe button at the bottom or if you're listening um audio and you're not subscribed to either stuck in the middle or palm wine central podcast go ahead and hit the subscribe button to get the latest episodes on either of uh, our weekly episodes or uh book review episodes and while you're at it um review the show as well let us know what you think if we are doing a great job or where you think we can improve you know because we love to do this anyways for all my readers out here the book we are the book we're going to dissect today is called Educated, and it's a memoir written by Tara Westover, and pretty much it's a remar remarkable story of resilience, self-discovery, and the transformative power of education. Born in a survivalist uh, Mormon family in the remote mountains of Idaho, Westover Westover's children was marked by isolation, unconventional home um, child schooling and a distrust of modern medicine and education. Despite these limitations, Westover had boarded a deep desire for, for knowledge and learning, which eventually led her to break free from the, from the confines of her upbringing and pursuit of higher education. See, please do us the honors. Um, I don't know if you want to give your own preview of what you think this book is about and then introduce the characters for us, please. Um, I'll just go into the characters. Um, so the author is Tara Westover, um, and she is, her dad is Jean Westover. Her mom is Faye Westover. Uh, Tara has brothers and one sister. So she has Sean, Tony, Tyler, and Richard. And she has a sister, Aubrey. So that's six, what, seven Westover kids, the dad and the mom. Those are like the main characters in the book. And then we later on are introduced to like her roommates in college, um, the guys she dated, professors, therapists, spiritual advisors. And there's also her grandparents and as well as 
neighbors. So that summarizes everyone in the book. Nice, nice. Thank you, thank you. Well, now that we know, or you, the listeners, you've you know heard a little about our characters, and for those who have read the book, maybe you know you already know more about that. Um, I'm gonna point it over to Mane. Mane, how do you how did you feel about this book? Um, it's a little different read from what we've read before, or probably from what you know you've read in general. Um, how do you feel about the book? I had mixed feelings about the book. Um, yes, it's different from anything we've read as we grew up, and from anything I have read personally. And um, I feel like it kind of unraveled feelings that I did not think that I had towards certain personal experiences. And it was both triggering and healing. Triggering in the, in the sense that um, certain things did not make sense. But then I later understood that it did not make sense because that it's not, it's not my experience. And for, and trying to make sense of somebody else having to have lived through that, um, it later on made sense in the sense that it helps me appreciate other people's lives, even if I don't know what they've been through. So yeah, in a nutshell, I, I had mixed feelings about it and I still have mixed feelings about it. And um, yeah, that's how I feel about the book in general. Okay, okay. We're gonna get into you know all of you know all those mixed mixed feelings, but let me get a feel of the room real quick. Um, Barbara, what was so shocking, right? What was so shocking? And no, actually, what was so thought provoking for you in this memoir? Oh God, I don't think there was one instance. Um, we're gonna dive into the character Sean. Let's have the brother. Everything about him, everything he said, everything he did, everything he moved around. It, it, it just eats everything in my body. The father was, um, I, I'm going to piggyback off Mane a little bit. There's a lot about the father that I do not understand. Um, <laughs> his way of reasoning, um, even when you present something to him, and it's clearly true that what he's saying. It's incorrect. The man was so hell-bent on whatever his beliefs were, whatever he said, that nothing you did would change his thought process. And he somehow had the ability to change everybody around him to move like he did. Which, if anything, I thought it was a little bit impressive and scary that a human being could do that. <laughs> and I could not understand um, how... It's like, it took me a minute. I still don't understand because in my head I was arguing. I was like, is it that these women, these people don't have the ability to just move? They don't, why? I had so many whys, but again, it was not my experience. I was not there. And I live in a different age. I grew up in a different culture, in a different environment. And so <laughs> I had to take a step back, if anything I can say, to say, okay. I think it's when I went towards the end of the book, I literally had to take a step back because I was reading it the wrong way. I was reading it like, completely wrong. So I had to take a step back and say, okay, let's, let me read it from their end because they were born into that. They grew into that. They don't know anything outside the world apart from that. So it makes absolutely sense why whatever this not job said was word compared to me that grew up in a different environment. I don't know if that makes sense. So that, 
Yeah. I guess you completely missed the part where they said memoir, huh? <laughs> Somebody's memoir, you want to rewrite it to be your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is this called? <laughs> but okay, 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 okay. Man, that book really stressed you, eh? Wow. Oh, it did. You're over there looking the... to, uh, finding your words to throw out and uh, and they're escaping your tongue. Yes, it did. That, it distressed me, I'm not lie. <laughs> Nora, before you picked up this book, you heard the title Education, right? You're like, edu- I mean, sorry, Educated? You're like, Educated? What the heck is that, right? What were you, like, before reading it, what were your initial thoughts to it? And then after you read it, how did your uh, perception about a title in itself change? So when I got the book originally, I read a brief summary of it to understand what it is I was getting myself into. So I kind of knew that she was someone who had not gotten an education. I didn't expect the shock. I didn't expect that abuse. I didn't expect the manipulation from her father. There were a lot of things that came out of nowhere that I really had to take a moment and wonder a lot of things. But as far as the educated part, that like the title of the book, I, I think I saw that coming. Everything else a lot of the other things was definitely a shocker for me. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Coming back full circle, T, since you introduced the characters, it's only right that, you know what I mean? I mean, of course, we want to hear your own opinion. So let's start this way. The first three chapters covers um, Buck Speak, you know, where this whole memoir is, you know, taking place. The second is, you know, the scrapyard, which is where most of them grew up working and their dad's business. And then the third is mother's, um, intuition, which probably like, I guess the accident and all that stuff, you know, um, she's all of that belt to, I guess, Sean and all the madness <laughs> that, that, you know, that went under that. How did you feel about, let me say the first five chapters, you know, of the book as she introduced, you know, all the major players on what's going on and everything. How did you feel about that? I almost stopped reading the book in the first three chapters. Just because I was like, where is this going? Because it was a whole lot more descriptive than anything, right? Um, I think it was just, she just basically used those chapters to introduce her family, what they believed in, what their everyday life looks like, uh, you know, what their surroundings is, you know, about their faith. And so I was just listening like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess it really is a memoir, you know. It was like a typical, it was almost like a biography. I was like, okay, I guess. And then the mom had the accident and everything just swished. It was like, I had to go back. I was like, did I switch books mid? Because I was doing the audio. I had to go. I was just listening. It was playing on the speakers. I had to go back to my tablet. I was like, did I switch books? Because what the hell just happened? So the first three, if you get to read the book, um, the first, maybe I think first two-ish, three chapters, it builds up. Trust me. So don't lose hope. Um, and that's kind of like the foundation of the book, right? It kind of sets precedence and gives you understanding for everything else that comes after that. So it was interesting. I did not read the summary um, before. Because I'm one of those people, I read the summary, I might get discouraged. So I just dove right into the book. 
But um, honestly, if this was not for book club, I don't think I would have finished the book. Let me be honest, just from the first chapters. But I was like, you know what? This is a commitment with other people. Let's just get on with it until that plot twist came like a curveball out of nowhere and smacked right in the face. And I was like, hold up. It, but it, it, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Wait, so you don't read memoirs? I do, but this memoir is different than a memoir is basically like an in-depth biography of a person, right? Right, like a self-biography type thing. But a lot of I was not expecting this to be what it turned out to be. First of all, she was white. That was like, okay, you know, it's just uh you know, I went to school, I got a scholarship, I didn't, like, that whole story came out of nowhere, <laughs> out of the devil's ass, <laughs> like, so I was like, okay, it's a white lady, you know, in Utah, she probably just talk about her religion and how she, you know, but everything else, I was like, it, 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 it's a different kind of memoir. I guess I should say it's a different kind of life she lived. It's pretty much I should say that. So, mm -hmm. and if you look at her, you you can tell because I've seen her picture and I was like, and reading the book now, and I'm looking at her like, ain't no way, is this for real or she made this shit up? Like, I don't know, but yeah. you know, Barbara, um, you know, being that you're in the medic, you know, in the medical field. And you know everything medical. Once you see doctors or nurses start acting funny, that 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 trips you, stresses you out. So let me ask you this: When you read that that scene where they had the accident, right? And you know the mom is unconscious. You know the dad is over there talking whatever it is that he's talking, refusing to bring the family to the hospital. Then they go home. You know what I mean? And then the mom is like locked in the basement well not locked in the basement but she keeps herself in the basement just to stay away from sunlight and refuses you know to go to the hospital again taking traditional meds not you know regular meds to you know help her out i beg how did that whole scene <laughs> of the book that whole portion of the book let me put it that way how did that make you feel reading that not, not, not you touching my my trigger point this uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think this um for the listeners, let's give a little bit of background. So, I don't know what chapter this is, but the dad had she split into a depression pretty much. Um, and so they had to travel to Arizona to meet the mom because the mom had gone um, for vacation. So they were coming back from Arizona in the middle of a storm, which Mr. Gene, Gene Westover is the dad, um, which he introduced the characters before, left in the middle of the night despite the mother Jean's mom telling him no, not to leave because there was a huge storm. Though, so he was aware of it. The man was stubborn, stuck in his ways, arrogant, and you couldn't tell him otherwise. So he left in the middle of the storm, and he wasn't driving his son. I think it was Sean that was driving. If I'm not mistaken, and in the middle of the storm, the hit a curve, and pretty much the, it had a very bad accident, which um, gave the mom a head trauma. And so, from a medical field, that's the one of the most scariest things ever you experience. Somebody has a head trauma. If she was bruising outside, 
the way they describe it, I think she had somehow like a bleed. I don't know. She had, I, I have, I'm assuming she had a swell. Her brain was swelling in there. She had a bleed. The migraines was continuing. She had ringing in her ears and that continued for months, for months upon months. That is a very scary thing to do because she could have died. But the thing that is very fascinating to me is that this woman somehow survived and came out to live somewhat a normal life and she survived on natural remedies which that's any that's something else about this book that was that okay i i was like i need to stop being a little bit judgmental and frowning when i see things but she did as <laughs> when i said it and he said that she take them home they, I was like, I kept saying, I said, she, she needs scans. What, what does that mean? She's having migraines. Can you say she's having She's bruising. She cannot sit in light. She cannot. This woman is suffering. But the dad was believed. Medic, what did he say? Though? If, if you receive medicines, it was a white man medicine. And it was going to kill you. And the funny thing that I couldn't understand was he had been outside. He had received the white man's medication before. He had. He was exposed to their life. And so I couldn't understand why he was preventing his family from getting it because even down the road he eventually gave in when he had to do with his son but that particular the first, that was the first accident which everybody wants to go but that first one it distressed me a little bit so but i see i think i need to go back to understand how that she survived somehow she came back and she was lived a normal life that's the thing i couldn't get past that somebody that had a brain swell she had a bleed and she was that sick recovered and went back to live her normal life she was not as 100% as she was before, but she was about 90%, which is, that was a miracle instead, without any medical help. Okay, okay. In addition to, you know, all that, like, as I was reading the book, well, the very first time I was reading the book, I just couldn't help but ask myself, like, you know, all the times when the dad would be forcing the kids to get on whatever machine to operate and stuff like that, like, yo, somebody just cut the hand or chopped off the hand or whatever and he's like he's replacing that person next person immediately without even no care about yo is that person good you know is that person do they have all the proper you know uh uh, uh treatment that they need or painkillers and all whatnot and i found that you know very very surprising and strange because that was me i would have probably drugged my own dad and dragged him out of that community and threw him in you know in in town and see if he'll burn but anyways um Nora, man, I want you guys to wrestle through this one. Um, I don't know how you guys would do it, but uh, tag team, tag team Sean for us, please. Oh. <laughs> you guys, tag team Sean for us. Tell us about Sean, please. Okay, so in, in the <laughs> so there was a part of the book where this whole Sean thing was happening that I had to pause because I, I did the audio too. I had to pause, rewind listen again so it was a whole back and forth thing because i cannot understand how he would repeatedly treat his sister that way and not have any remorse but that feeling kind of changed after towards the end when um well let me not go fast let me not go all the way in the beginning but explaining what i felt i can only explain it it was rage anger in as much as people struggle with certain with certain mental challenges, there should be a line where, okay, well, this is my assumption or my expectation. There should be a line where you can 
see somebody is in distress from something that you're doing and then stop it but i don't understand how he did not have that um inclination if that's the right word to use to see that his own sister was suffering that much from his own actions but then he couldn't stop so that was something that i wrestled with a lot it would be different if you know he he behaved that way towards a stranger that was trying to attack his family or trying to attack his sibling no but he behaved in such a um, i don't know if barbaric is the word animalistic towards your own flesh and blood and um that i could not i could not um sit with so so many times i had to pause skip forward to go see if this thing gets better then come back and yeah that's how i feel about because i was like oh why is this thing pissing me at some point i thought it was fiction i thought it was just a made-up thing because i didn't see how you know you treat you all like that yeah, that's how I felt about Sean. Nice. I think sorry, Nora, I just had a question for Manny. Oh, Nora, when you talk, uh, can you guys, like, I just want us to have a conversation about whenever he did that, he came back and he apologized. Hmm. Okay, maybe, do you want me to answer that before Nora? I know why you want to Oh, the, uh, however, I just, like, I just, that there was that particular thing that I thought it was just, it was very huge. Whenever he did it, he came back and he, for me personally, right, this is my personal opinion. I see as apology as a change of action. You cannot treat me a certain way and tell me you're sorry and then you treat me again a certain way. The first time is going to slide. The second time is not going to slide. So maybe that's why I kind of like don't even remember him apologizing because it happened too many times, too many different occasions for me to not even remember that he apologized so that even times on the book when i felt like okay did this thing really happen because even um tara she be like okay did this thing happen or did she make it up so sometimes i'll ask myself did i hear this from the book or did i make it up so yeah my my memory of certain things is kind of no, like something he always said when he did that what did he say because i can remember tara acted like a child and so he was oh, reprimanding yeah. tara it was very consistent. Like he always said it. It's because you did that. And that's why I did that particular part. However, I'm sorry. Or that, that, that. he always had that little condition in front of it. That she did something. <laughs> sorry, Dara, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I think Sean is so layered on so many levels. I, I think the first thing is Sean could have excelled outside of his surroundings. So I think that's the first thing. Sean is also his father's child. His father is all types of crazy. So I think Sean is probably the one who inherited a lot of the things that are going on with his father. And nobody was able to guide him in the best way to, to be able to direct those emotions, direct those just he's brilliant because he made up games for him and his sister he i really feel like he would have had so much potential outside of that little town that he was in that's my first part so i feel bad for him i really do 
he's he's literally the spawn of Chucky, but I feel very bad for him because I think he would have excelled really well outside of where he was. I also think that he doesn't have a conscience. Point blank, like this period, I don't think he has a conscience because how can how can you? He's very manipulative, just like his father, and I think he lacks a conscience. I also think that their religion, he was able to use that so much to be able to control Tara, to be able to control the rest of his siblings, because as we see later, it's not just her that has been getting that treatment. Other people went through it too. We're just getting Tara's point of view. So... Sean is very complex, but I think it stems from his father. And I think it stems from just the fact that he was in a bad surrounding and that he has no conscience and he's very manipulative. And I feel so I, uh, there were times I was like, just don't talk to him ever again. Don't be around him when you're in the house. Just, just leave him alone. But then you realize they, they've been together all their lives. He was sweet to her a lot of the times too, so it's very stressful. It is very, very stressful. <sighs> Sean, Sean did leave though. He wasn't. He he left Box uh, Box Week. Mm-hmm. He did leave, and he came back because his father, where his father, I don't know when when his mom got sick, or but he he came back. He left for a little while and. He was a rascal. There were stories about him out in town. Um, you heard the rumors. Like Sarah said, there was a lot that he hung out with the wrong crowd. And he left because he was tired of his father's control. So he said he wanted his own independence. And so he left. But his father needed help when, I think it was after Tyler left. And somebody else left. And the older brother left. And then he came back. And the reason his rationale for coming back was he was going to help the business while his father got his shit together and so he did leave he experienced the outside world and he had that control he is just he the funny thing about it is this i agree with everybody sean was just in that job because i mean they're not major characters but the way he treated his girlfriends there was this particular girl emily i feel like yeah. we need to find emily in real life and give her a glass of wine or whole pots of wine because there was this particular part that increased my heart rate when she punished the girl because yes she bought the wrong freaking cracker and the kind of punishment it was very it was the punishment it was very controlling very slow painful it's like torture and he was one of those he sat and he indulged in it like he he enjoyed the pain (laughs) okay sean i just i don't know but yeah, that is a that's a classic narcissist right there, oh, right? Yes. Because that's all they do. They thrive. They thrive on on manipulation of and demeaning of other people and yeah. gaslighting. That's all they do all day long, and so they're so good at it. And I don't think that I know Sean came back for his dad's business, but I don't think he would have survived in the outside world. Because only only Buckspeak gave him that feeling of that being time. in control. Um, if he was in in the city or in a bigger place, he would have been locked out. But I think he enjoyed it because it that environment gave him the ability to thrive in his 
delusion, having his father back, his every move and his every word. So he felt like he was, he literally was king and his word was law. So he enjoyed it. He enjoyed that power. It was like a whole dictatorship, right? And he would always find a way to make it about somebody else because everything favored him. And so I, fe I feel like they did him a huge disservice and the rest of the world, Sean should have been locked up somewhere. <laughs> Because yeah, when he got, he starts getting, it was not just physical. And when he went out and killed the dog, because he was, I was like, that's it. Somebody lock this guy up and throw away the key <laughs> so far. Like, but he was still roving around because, you know, just the environment, like I said, it, it supported it. Their whole family was a survivalist family. They were ready for Y2K. Uh, they had buried bunkers and food stored up to use it for three years in case uh, the Japanese or whoever invades the country. Like they're just extremists in every sense of the word. Even the religion, they were just on the far right. So it was just everything supported that character. He never stood a chance. And he was, he was like, this is it. This is as much power as I can get. Give it to me. And he just went all the way but i feel like he should have been locked up <laughs> poor sean all this all this all this for poor sean alone um how does how do how do their parents sean's dad and mother who's also tyra's father and mother how do they play oh what role or what actions do they have to play in who sean is in this book I think they enabled it by not addressing it. But um, like I said, the book the book kind of like unraveled a lot of things for me personally, right? Um, yes, they enabled it by not addressing it. But okay, later on in the book, I kind of understood when when the mother um, said, I think when Tara wrote a letter or she was talking on the phone, and the mother said something along the lines of um, she knew about it, but she didn't do anything about it. Admitting that she knew about it kind of felt like uh, a sort of relief for me. Because for her, if she had continued to be in denial, it means that it wasn't an issue. So for her to admit that, you know, it, it was something that was going on, that was kind of like a sign of like a, a sign of like an exhale, like waiting to exhale kind of feeling. But then again, there is this line that I um, I heard. I don't know if I read it or I heard it. Is that our parents tend to parent the way they were parented, or they um they did the best they could with what they knew. Now, I'm not excusing the fact that they could have addressed the situation. Maybe they didn't know how to. Oh, Mane, I disagree there. Because I do if, too. You see, <laughs> if you see the family, the family that this um, Faye, which is Tara's mom, grew up in. It's, it, it's a, I am, my mind is blown how she ended up with a man like Jean. Yeah. It was a choice. Because she yeah. she was raised up proper 
cream with the right attitude, you know, raised to be a lady, raised to, to speak her mind. And she went and picked a survivalist, extremist, manipulative, controlling husband and just so cooned. Now, I feel like she, you know, he, it was this whole bad boy thing. I don't know how they never tell us how they met. And right. she met the guy and she was like, you know, it's one of those things we see in life all the time. You're like, I'm stuck. Rather than me go back with my tail between my legs, we die here. I think that was more of the mother's situation. Yeah. But she parented nothing like how she was brought up. True. But she was in, I don't know if indoctrinated is the word. Because the culture she got into wasn't the culture she grew up from. Mm -hmm. So somehow, somewhat, to me, it feels like it's a learned helplessness, learned helplessness situation in the sense that she was now in this new culture where they do things a certain way. Yes, it may not have been what she knew or what she was used to, but the choice between, you know, bringing your own culture into this culture versus just seeing how this culture goes it's easier to just blend in than to stand out like I, like i'm saying i'm not excusing i'm not totally excusing her right but i'm saying that the fact that she eventually admitted that she did not do what she could have done to address the situation or to stop the situation it's it was like a an exhale for me because i was waiting for this whole thing for somebody to admit it or for somebody to say that okay this thing you're doing is not right i mean mm -hmm. it took longer than it should have but at least it happened i mean I I have, like, a think, couple um, of let me one second barbara let me finish it i don't think that it was a matter of a learned culture or something like that i think she knew it was wrong mm -hmm. and she showed it in so many ways because even when Tara wanted to join dance, she was taking her to dance classes, not telling the dad. There are so many things she tried her best to cover. I just think that she lacked the courage to stand up to the dad. And I feel like the dad had bitten, it's not in the book, but I'm very certain that the dad and the earlier times of their marriage, the dad has had beaten the courage out of that woman. Possibly. I, I see it as a huge possibility because you can tell that she doesn't agree when she talks with her kids separately she agrees this is not right that like we cannot live like that as soon as she gets home mouth shut right. the dad comes and sean and they're breaking things mouth shut but then she will go behind and be like oh you know um that's how this person is just you you know so she clearly knew it was wrong i just think that she lacked the courage to do right by by her children which she admitted later in the book and that to me was that was the most wholesome thing ever for her to have said what she said i'm not going to say it. go and read the book you'll find but, out but if but she said and if she said, sorry, go ahead, Barbara, because if I responded to you, it would take us whew, away from <laughs> Oh, her. yeah. No, I was going to say she responded, but she retracted that response, though. She did? She did. Because she went back and... Not, not necessarily retracted. I mean, I guess we're, 
were going along the same lines. She did not retract the response per se, but if you say that, but in the same sense, say refuse for your daughter to <laughs> visit or you refuse to visit unless your dad is there, then why did you apologize in the first place? You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. also all, from the standpoint of... Based on the fact that Sean was a changed man now and we have to forgive and move on for the sake of the family, for the sake of X, Y, and Z. So I think the mother is very manipulative she came from medicine. She came from education herself. Um, she knew exactly what she was doing. I think her. I think she took advantage of those uneducated people because there's times she's the one who's like the herbalist, but she had said a lot of times that that they need medicine when it's necessary. So she becomes this midwife. She does all these things, but. I think she was she was using the fact that these people did not get an education to her advantage. She definitely was abused, so there is a there is that part of her that she can't control, but I think she was her mind was sharp and she used her surroundings to her advantage. That's how they got all they got the business at the end to begin with because the whole time she had been plotting and becoming the midwife, becoming the herbalist. You if you're really uneducated you wouldn't even think to be an entrepreneur. Right. So I really, because of her foundation, she had what they didn't and she used it to her advantage. But because her husband, she had to stick by him. She just, she let her kids be the pawns. So oh. I, I think mama, I think mama's own place mostly is delusion. Right. I think she was so, I think her trauma was so much. She had to find a space where in that space everything was okay i think she felt like if i say it's okay it's fine a thousand times then it would eventually be so i feel like she had just found that space in her head and just lived in her delusional world where she would think that if she says oh lavender can cure ghosts i don't know something and then it would happen and that's how she find her that's how she found her happiness because everything drained her you can look at her and see that it's everything is gone there's no substance here so she just i think she just built that delusion just so she can get some glimpse of 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 happiness like this is my happy space don't disturb it and for me at the end everything is like that's where i have a problem sometimes with religion right because they the mom used use tara not coming back home and religion was that excuse she couldn't leave her husband because her excuse was religion and it's like how do how do we take something that is supposed to be good and pure there were other people that went to the church that did not think like them definitely they had their own clique but it's like how do you take something that is so pure and just Build your own thing out of it. And they had their home. She couldn't leave. She couldn't do nothing. She It was like everything is like the man is the head. He's the be all end all. It's like, whoo, this delusion. I need, I'm going to need some of that because it's, I want so to. the book, sorry, sorry, okay, let me just say something. So here's the, the woman, yes, you can see the sense of abuse, correct, in 
I agree with you guys. But when but, it comes to Sean and the children, there's no dis- there's no abuse here or no do- no no delusion. No, I'm not I'm not refusing that part. But the father, there are moments. Moments have a different way of living life. If you look, for, if I'm going to jump a couple of chapters down the road. When Tara goes to university and the the, the bishop at her church with the grants and how she it took her a long time to finally accept that they have a different way. The father was the one that indoctrinated those ideas into their head. She doesn't say much about the mom before her time frame, so we don't know a lot of the backstory, but I think she was abused. We have to remember that these people grew up not believing women had to work. Nobody had money. She got into, you mentioned the midwife. She didn't get into the midwife because she wanted to. She was forced to. She hated it, if anything. She just became good at it. The husband told her that, I think you'll be good for you. Go do it. And so when she saw it and she started saying that she was making money, she had power. That was her power. That was her legroom. The husband needed the money because the man ran a junkyard. He he collected scrapes, which I think they say in the winter, he doesn't have a lot of money. But in the summer, he tends to make it. So in the winter, he need he needed her money. So she gained power, and that power was for her to get the power to see. Even with that, she still had that respect where you you listen to your husband. The man, I think the woman was just so suppressed in whatever emotions that she had. There was no way she could come off of that. Also, see, you mentioned something before. She chose the husband because she said in the book the husband was different from what she grew up with. Their mother married into their father wasn't all prep but the mother used them as a leeway to society as a leeway to elevate herself and so they all, all had to speak proper dress proper look cute and everything else so she used jean as a rebel she was rebelling he was different from what she grew up with he was rusk was rough around he didn't speak like everybody else he had different ideas so that's what she was attracted to so he, she got into that life knowing fully what she said. It, she knew what she was getting into. So she chose him and she chose that life. So she went in there. It probably was not what she anticipated it was going to be. And so she was she was walked upon. But I think by the time Tara didn't care, the woman was so battered down. There was no way she could go because she believes people, you couldn't make money or you couldn't do anything. So when she said, when she became a midwife, fast forward to down the road and she had that business, she gained power over her husband because if you look later chapters down, for the first time, Tara said, the husband said something and the mother said no, and the husband obliged with Things when that gene went over would tell the wife something, and then she would say, I'm not doing it, or I think it's otherwise. And he'll agree, he'll agree. He never thought. So she used that. That was hers. I don't, I don't say she was, uh, what was uh, Nora said? She, it was her, I think it was her, she, that was the only way she could gain power to get her word. Because if she has been suppressed and if she can work and the man needs the work, that's the way she could be useful because before she was useless to the man. Before she became educated and she was useless to the man. And also, um, she said to Tara something, it's just, there was a, there's a particular, I don't remember the chapter that she said something to Tara. That out of all her children, she thought Tara was the one that was going to break out. When she was doubting herself going to school, when she took the GED and she didn't pass, I don't think it was the first or the second time. And she said she was going to give up because her father had told her she was nothing worse more than that. Sean to her reminded her that she belonged to the, in the in the junkyard and that she was a whore and blah, 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 and everything else. But the mom said, and then she was doubting herself if she wanted to go to school. She was going to cancel. And the mother said, out of all her children, you were the one that had to leave. So don't you dare. 
which I fell in love with the woman there for a little bit. The grandmother was the one that was pushing for that before. But that part of it, I thought she was a mom because she said, don't you dare do it. Because I think deep down, she knew that if Tara stayed, Tara would become her or worse. And so she was out her way of telling her that, run, get out and go. And that's how Tara was able to go. So I gave her a lot of props for a lot of things. But I think her, the, the, the dad forcing her to do whatever she did, and she becoming a herbalist, maybe it worked for her. It, it may not be what he has, but it worked perfectly for her because that woman gained her confidence. She gained her voice. She was able to convert for whatever surprise. Because if you read the book, you can tell that woman was mashed to the ground. And so she started putting it in. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. It's only fair that you guys see it that way. And it's only fair that I'm going to see it this way, right? Or oh, I've seen it this way. I don't see anybody being mashed or anybody being oppressed. I really don't, right? And let me explain. Everybody has their own cross to carry. And whatever cross you choose, you're going to carry it. She chose her cross. And so she carried it. Now, throughout this book, I'm reminded by where we come from, Africa, our own parents, grandparents, their lifestyles. This is not far-fetched. It's right around the alley. It's right around the corner. We've experienced it. We've seen this one way, shape, before. You know what I mean? Um, she had a voice. She just chose not to use it when the moments were right for her to use it. She suppressed it herself. Nobody did. If through all these things, she stood up for her kids, it was just a matter of time before the dad himself would have probably, you know, eased up or probably raised out and probably gone and operated one of those machines and killed himself. I think. Um, but in Russia, I really seen her suppressing her own voice, her taking the back seat when she was supposed to be in the front seat, her, you know, um, removing her, her foot from the, from gas when she's supposed to keep the foot on gas. And then, um, coming to the kids, man, Tara had opportunity to leave when the grandparents told her to, and she chose not to wake up and go. That was already one for me. I was like, the fuck? I'm like, yo, perfect opportunity right here for you to leave. And you chose to stay. And now you're going through all these things and you're complaining. And well, maybe I got to find the empathy in that. But I, I, I was looking for it. I couldn't find it, you know, one to give. So no, she dropped the ball there when she refused to leave. And then with everything that's going on, with her, you know, her siblings and everything, that was also cause for her to find a way to, you know, to dip. I'm not saying it's easy. No, but I'm saying that she could have found a way. Probably called up her grandma and said, hey, grandma, is that offer still on the table? Come on, get me. Something. I don't know. Um, but I don't want to put all the blame on that. Though his views were just very strange, you know, or how he was, you know, how was being that family head. It was just very strange. It's beyond manipulation at this point. Like, to me, it was it's, it's beyond manipulation, you know, like, I think it was something that to do with serious mental health in my opinion but that's left to you know tara to write another book on what happened after that um but i also do really really I'm, I'm really convinced that the mom suppressed her voice and she could have done better i think i think that dad was very strategic too right because he he trained them all for his use 
he trained the children to work at the junkyard. And as soon as he figures out that you are of no use to him, he discards you to the point where as soon as, um, I forgot who it was. Was it Tyler who got injured at the junkyard? He still could not drive this boy home. Set this boy, put him in the car. I think when there was the fire at the junkyard, put this boy in the car to drive bleeding. This guy passed out. This man still decided to stay at the junkyard and put this boy in a car to drive home. I'm like, God damn. Like how... How much of a user do you have to be to disregard human life? And it's a miracle that all, all the children survive. I still don't know how. Because tetanus should have killed somebody. Um, head injuries could have killed somebody. <laughs> concussion could have killed some. It's ridiculous. This man had Tara swinging off a, a, a crane. I'm just like, what in the jungle is going on? So it's like, even the mom going into midwifery, it was for the dad. Because mm -hmm. he said, oh, if you learn this, and then when the, the, the war comes and the war ends, you would be the only one who will have this service. Then we would be on top. And soon as the next thing, oh, yeah, learn this medicine. Then we would be on top. That was all he was concerned about. He was not concerned about raising a family. He was just concerned about getting the people to do his bidding that's all he was and i think that's why at the end he was more relaxed when the mom had the whole business and he was like okay somebody else can work and i can just sit and, and make others and he still was still in control but that that is beyond me i they need to story study tara's dad he needs yeah there was something in the story do you guys remember the neighbor when they had the fbi um whole showdown with the neighbor i think it was in the beginning of the chapters that he he had his neighbor that was very that had similar views for him the the bell bonkers and believed in the whole nonsense whatever that beliefs people that beliefs are and then she told the the family like a completely different story i was very fascinated by the fact that i went to, her, went to school and she read everything if i the, the father told her this that that man would never do X, Y, Z. He would never accept government money. Uh, he, he, he was accepting government money. He was doing interviews. <laughs> because the, the, the man, and then he had, the dad had told them that the guy was killed and he died. The guy actually did not die. He was alive. Sued the government for billions upon dollars. I was living his best life. While they are in the mountains under the impression that the government was going to come attack them because they are different. But the funny thing about it that I thought that was very interesting is they had a TV. How on earth is it that they couldn't watch the TV to figure out that whatever the father was saying was incorrect? Because he literally told them that the guy was dead and that whatever the government was, whatever the government had plans to come destroy, whatever nonsense it is he was saying. And it, that's why I say he was very fascinating and they believed him. And nobody, nobody, went to think or think thought for a second that they could go research to see if that was right or wrong he's I mean, like he's he's what would if you've not been exposed to tv for damn near all your life and all of a sudden there's usually tv and you're just looking at it i mean there's much for you to want to uncover from there you know what i mean there's like 
much. It's like you live in Africa and you're seeing all these skyscrapers on TV and you come here and you're like, yo, where the hell are all those skyscrapers are seeing on TV? You know, why all those flying cars, you know, things like that. So I mean, I see your point, but they were going to town. That's the thing. She had activities down in town. When they were going for dance, they were meeting other people. They were, the mother was exposing yeah. them to all of these different things. So she had... The very first time she set foot in class is in university. Yes. Like, I'm so, not refusing that. But before well, she went not, to... Not well uh, uh, um, seasoned when it comes to history or you know literature in general, things like that. So... Or none of the brothers. They're busy trying to keep their body parts to themselves. <laughs> if anything. So I mean, to pick to pick back off of that AK, back to the point where you said the wife suppressed her her well ability to defend her kids and all of that. Um I think okay, because the example I'm thinking of based on that is think of our parents, right? I feel like our mothers had to endure a lot in marriage than we, this generation, are willing to endure. So there is there is a whole um, generational shift. Again, I'm not trying to excuse the, the mothers not standing up for her kids. But if we're placing the mother in our mother's age, versus Tara and her siblings in our age, you can tell there is a shift in in what we, I don't know if tolerate is a better word to use here. Yeah, I mean, true. But for me, I'm coming from, from the point of the mom was not raised in that culture, right? She came into that culture. So coming to that culture, I'm thinking she knows good, bad, ugly. But then you see it and you refuse to acknowledge it or you refuse to take action to it. Even when it comes to your own kids, you still take your husband's side, which I'm not saying that. And when I say suppress, I'm not saying that like the husband is necessarily like saying, yo, you have to be quiet. No, it also probably comes from him just probably standing his ground and then her because she wants to be you know that wife the pleaser you know the person that puts the family together in one way shape or form i don't know just says that you know what these kids might go someday but my husband will always be mine so i'm a you know i'm rally by him regardless of what and yo this kids is gonna find their own way and they're gonna be their own person not Maybe. necessarily that She's let me use another example mm-hmm when you just got to the u.s and you went to high school and you know we had a generation who were called what's the term that you i did go to high school here what's the term that they use um that they used to def, to describe african you know in high school um um, um african buddhist crashes <laughs> okay so think of the time when you just got to the u.s and then you heard that well how did you address that did you immediately defend yourself or did it take time for you to say, you know what, I'm not just going to listen to this just to listen to you. I'm going to say something about it. I turn around, like, ask my brother, like, yo, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I'm like, what are they talking about? I had to, you had to break it down for me. I'm like, I still don't get it. It's like the saying, I'm like, so why are people mad? 
you know what i mean like why they mad it was like like well i mean i i really cannot feel mad or not mad because it doesn't shape who i am you know what i mean if anything for me at that point in time, i'm like how about you leave here and go to where i come from and let's see if you can survive there you know what i mean so you did, not, you did not immediately address it while you talked to somebody about it but right right was there a point where you started addressing it no you never addressed it never okay could you could you say that you did not address it because you were suppressing it because i'm guessing that it kind of like you know it kind of felt a certain way or let me use myself as an example right when I just came to the US, um, I went to um, community college and there was that that distinction and separation. And did it make me feel weird? Yes. But I could not, I, I did not know how to address it. So mm. was I suppressing very, very, very much possible? But that's because I grew up in a, in a, in a family where um, as, as Africans, where we don't necessarily, we were not necessarily educated to speak up it was always like listen to you know listen to me talking and that kind mm -hmm. of thing mm -hmm. so yes um she came from a family that was educated and all of that but she was now the only one in this in this culture so it's a cultural shift yeah that so it, it could have taken her time to be like you know what? Well, okay this is not right did she know that it wasn't right yes but that thing um T mentioned she didn't have the courage to address it and well, uh maybe i'm just coming off of the, the 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 point where um in as much as we have to acknowledge this is the part where this book kind of links to my personal life or to our personal life in the sense that there are certain things about you know the generation before us that we wish that they did but they didn't and it's kind of affecting us in certain ways. Like, okay, say for example, um, I met a guy I'm dating. There are certain things that, okay, let me see, there are certain narcissistic things about him that I cannot understand. But that stems from the way he grew up. Now, if, if our parents knew how to address that to raise kids in a way that they didn't have that tendency, so the next generation not having to deal with it, I'm thinking that maybe... Being graceful, acknowledging that okay, they they failed at X Y Z, but then, how do we fix, or how do we address this? How we how do we not, you know, throw dirt on it like our parents did, and and um, that's kind of where the book shifted for me, you know. Even though uh, I think Barbara said, even though she apologized, but then she recounted it, which I don't remember, but I guess I was just stuck on the apology because I was ready to exhale. I was like, oh my God, how can Sean constantly do this? And it's not ending. So, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I guess that's where the title for the book comes in, Educated, right? Yeah. Um, each and every one of us will will, will grow to, to so-called right the wrongs that we think that were written to us, right? We'll have our own chance to right those wrongs. And, man, I'm not going to lie to you. Now I'm sitting and asking myself that, <laughs> okay, <laughs> smart one, Mr. You know, all you are saying, these people didn't do good. Well, you have your own time. You think you're going to do everything in the book that this other person thinks you should have done that you should do. And that's a no, because that's another person with their own total different mindset. 
total different view of what life to them should be at that point in time. So in this sense, reading that, I'm thinking to myself like, man, you know what? I can't even hold a dad. I can't even hold a mom. Because if none of that happened, we wouldn't even be here talking about educated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in a nutshell, I think that for me now, instead of looking at that and saying, oh, it should have been like that. I'm taking it. I'm going, what can I do better for my own self and my own peoples that will come in the future? That, that ship has already sailed. There ain't nothing I could do to even try and tell another grown person who is three times older than me what to do or what not to do. I just have to roll, you know, roll with the punches and whatever, you know, with the throw of dice, whatever that, whatever number comes up. If I don't like it, I mean, I try my way around it or I just like it eventually. So, yeah. To your point, right, AK, and I feel like that whole excuse of this is how I was brought up dies at a certain point in time, right? Um, and we can see that in clearly in this story. Um, Tara, she refused to be held back. And I think you, that individual has to come to a point where they they want that change bad enough to make it because she had to come to that point where she had a depressive episode and she was wrestling with going to seek help until she got to that point where I, I cannot live like this. And so she went and sought help, even though she was still resistant, but she made that step to go and seek help to better herself. Right. And I feel like irrespective of how we grew up, like you said, that ship has sailed. You are a whole, you're a whole adult now. You know good from bad. Now you know you know how to identify those things. What are you doing differently to 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 make things better, not just for you or for the people that you would be responsible for in the future? I think that's that's how it is. And for me, where I feel like it pivoted was the best thing that happened to Tara was her going to school, and I think. Education saved her life. It really did. And not just education in the sense that her degrees and all that. Yeah, she went on and she got a PhD. If you can believe that three of her siblings actually got a PhD from that family while there was Sean. And the others on the other side, right? But I feel like exposure, just being exposed to different things is what is is where her life started changing it wasn't even therapy was good for her but when she went to the uk um when she went for the exchange programs her life literally turned around and i feel like that's a good thing that i feel like we should people should be able to do now granted they'll say oh education and what a dime these days and all that i still think that there's a huge difference between someone who is exposed to knowledge and someone who is not like there it's light and it's night and day. I don't care what that degree does for you. Even if it's collecting dust exposure is, is, is where I think the West over, I think that's the one thing that separated the West over kids. It was exposure. If they had not left that environment, be open to other things, books, music, whatever it is, they would not have made it. Those three would not have made it. See, 
can I just say something? So, you see the three that you're talking about. I yes, I do. I absolutely agree with you that education was what saved. Uh, we don't know much about Luke, but I think we'll talk more about Tyler and uh, Tara. I'm going to start off with Tyler. At the end of the book, I'm just giving a couple of the wife said it took Tyler years, years upon years before he allowed his kids to be vaccinated. Why? Because he still, even though he was exposed and he was educated, he still had that mindset. It was still, his father was still in his ears. Tara, Tara did seek, yes, she saw that something was not working. And something so she went and sought therapy therapy did not work mm-hmm. therapy therapy opened her eyes to her it was that was not what saved her Tara snapped out of whatever she was in because she went back to Idaho she said she had given up that was in the middle when she was doing her PhD she had given up everything and it didn't matter what anybody was telling her so she went back to Idaho because she said you know what I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and beg my father. That's when when they had cut her off. They had done the smear campaign about her. As she said, she was going to go back. And that's it. She gave up because everything wasn't working. Somehow, she ended up in a cafe. And there was an ex-girlfriend of her brother. I don't remember her name was a character. I don't remember that. The brother had beaten her up too. And it was the girl's grandfather that had saved her because Sean would have killed her. And she had reached out to the way she was having the whole manic depressive episode. She had, because she was talking to the girl and said she wasn't crazy. Um, this is, I'm talking about the area in the book where she was Audrey. She had reached out to Audrey to tell Audrey that Sean was beating her up. Audrey came back and said, no, she was lying. And then, so she came back and they thought that, told her that everything she was saying was made up wasn't true. It was that whole part. So there was a particular girl she was reaching out to that was outside of the family just to make sure she was sane. That girl had agreed to her. But however, the girl had went back. The father had reached out. When the mom became rich, they became rich and they were explained everything. Somehow they convinced them. That's what I said. The father convinced not just the family, but everybody around them that they were spirit. They were, they were it. And what about this? That what said stands. So... Long story short, she ended up in that cafe because she was trying to check an email. And that girl happened to be in that cafe. And the girl left her email open. She read a correspondence between that girl and her mom. That's when that light bulb in her head clicked open. That's that was, was actually like, at their house, at the mother's house. Yeah. It was not at the, was it it at the was mother's at house. The mother's house. Yes. So it, it was clicked. at the mother's that, house. It was so, the mother's email that she read. So you, that should tell you how much that, yes, she went to therapy, she did everything and she was exposed, but still her father had that much cold on her. It literally took her going back because she had said, I'm going back, I'm going to bed, I'm going to convert. To her, was going and reach and she sat and she wrote an email. And then that's where the light bulb in her hair went like, click, click. Barbara, to go back on the email, in that cafe, I think it was that girl's cousin who said that, are you Sean's sister? Yes. And it was something about, oh, I know Sean because he almost killed my cousin. And the only reason why my cousin is alive is because my grandfather saved her. So yeah. she yeah. got it. She got the right thing again from a stranger. And that's what made her know that, okay, there was someone who saw it. There was evidence because the father always asked, do you have evidence to prove that what you're saying is true? Do you have do you have a witness, something. 
So because I think it was that cafe, it was a witness to the fact that Sean had abused that girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Even that is before even that even though she was exposed, you got she did go to school. She was exposed and everything, but she didn't dress like everybody else. She did she still believed in her father's way of mama is your mama's okay, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Jesus Christ. Please <laughs> Of the religion, she believed in everything, so she still had that stand, although she was trying to convert. I don't know how many years down the road it took her going to visit, I think it was Audrey's kids. She reprimanded her niece, and then the reason for her doing what she did to her niece was she said, I, If you act like a child, I'll treat you like a child. That was the moment that in her head, despite all the education that she clicked, that's where that light bulb clicked, and she went now and started dressing like everybody else. I started doing that. I think the point I'm trying to say that there, even though these people were educated, yes, education saved them everything, but their father still had a hold on them, no matter how old they were. That trauma was still with it. It was still like stuck in them. Even as Tara got all her PhD, her father, her, her father, her father's words, Sean's words, it still ran through her. It was, it still had that. It was just it pinned them down. It, it was even Tyler. The ones that left, they still had their father's voice in their ears. They just, they never got over it. And I think, um, I'm, I'm assuming, again, I don't know these people, I'm assuming they're probably still working What's out. What's there to get over? You say what now? What's there to get over? To unlearn. I think To unlearn. Okay. I'm trying to say to unlearn. And Every I think, go ahead. To unlearn everything? From the dad, from the dad's perspective, for the dad of, yeah, but that's what I'm asking. Everything? Um, I don't think that everything, because um, as Barbara was talking, what I, I remember reading somewhere that the first 12 years of a child's life is, is what you will get to mold them. So if, if they've lived the first 12 years of their life with, with this certain culture, it might take twice that time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They may not necessarily like there are certain things that you know um i learned growing up that it, it doesn't serve me in my adult book sometimes i would have to think it over and be like okay yes i learned that then but it's not serving me now but it doesn't change the fact that it's still at the back of my head because those are the foundation years of life that which i would get that's probably what was happening to tara that it, it took her going back to the place where you know things kind of make sense but in that moment that thing did not make sense and that's when she was able to unlearn that one aspect and then she yeah. could go and leave her life and then you know come back there is a scene in the book that i i want to get you guys opinion on i think it was when she went she may have been going back to get the taxes for the money but she walked in and sean had a gun and was waiting for something mm. she's not that, that yeah that, yes. That was, that was... I want to hear you guys' opinion on on that scene. <laughs> My question was like, well, why did he have a gun? But then the, the dad, I think the dad gave it to him. They always it's... had guns, though. They yeah, always like, had who guns. Was waiting for who was he waiting for? My question was like, who That's was he? Yeah, that was my question. When, when that <laughs> happened, who was he waiting for? So uh, when, yeah, he he came Sean, when he came to Sean in this book, I couldn't put anything past him. And I couldn't, and I could not see any good coming from him. 
So in a nutshell, he just existed. So whatever he did was just like, here we go again. You know what I mean? Let's keep it moving. Here we go again. Let's keep it moving. Because at some point, it's like, you have these two wild cards, and then you have a Queen Joker who is like, you know, painting that keeps coloring the white cards white every time there's a stain on it. It's like, you just keep coloring it. I'm like, yo, what the hell is going on? So at some point, it's just like, Tara, you have to run. Just run. <laughs> just yeah, run yeah. already because nobody will save you. You have to save yourself. Just run already. Don't, are you not seeing this? But, yeah. And I have a question for the... Sorry, when you're done, man, I just have a question for the group. The part where, um, was it his girlfriend, where he punished her for buying the wrong food? I think she ran... Oh, out. Emily. Oh, Emily, 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 Emily. The call, and I was just like, <laughs> wait. And then he came out, you know, covered up. Yes. I, I could not, I could not get over that. I still, like, that was the wife. That was his wife, sorry. Wife? Yeah, yeah, it was his wife. Because he punished her for buying the wrong so thing for the son. So I got so um I don't know, so triggered about it that I wrote it somewhere and then somebody was like, What book is it? So I talked about the book. So this person has read the book two years ago, but sometimes they have like what they did the audiobook. Sometimes two years ago, but today they still have like visual snapshots. Of, of parts of the book and I'm like why well, are you telling me that we have been dealing with this for about three years because it's it's not a pretty feeling but anyway like I said part of it felt like it was fiction but then it's a real life story so. uh, that, I'm pretty sure half of it was fiction am I the only one you guys get for Sean is a feeling I'm having for Jada Pinkett right now but anyway I was so looking at her book we're reading but her book next. Ending, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think that will. <laughs> but guys, okay, so I have a question for you guys. Am I the only one, right? There's just, I have, besides if I'm in love with Tara, because this family, there's something that we keep missing. Resilience yeah. in this household was unmatched. Open level. Like, these people will fall down and somehow, did he... They will wake up. How did? And then, yes. And then the second thing is, can we just appoint the fact that these people did not have any education, but they all have PhDs. They did not go to school. That they did not go to high school. Well, Tyler did. I think Tyler did. Luke was. They say Luke was dumb, but he ended up with PhD. Tara did not go to school, but this child went at university. And her straight is, and she has scholarship. In fact, if there's one thing about this book that is sweeting me, is that whole fact that I can just read, I will give them their father belts resilience in them. Yeah. When you fall down, my friend, the father wake up and go and do what you're supposed to do. The father instilled resilience. I don't know if the father instilled it, or it was just the culture where they grew up in. But the resilience was on Don't give him props for something. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that it's the unfortunate circumstances in their life that led them to build resilience. I don't think that he instilled resilience in them. That that is because I think it's life circumstances that helps you build a certain level of resilience. Yeah. Not yeah. not so yeah. much. But who made but who made that life whatever possible? 
mean, you can say that. That is true. I mean, they didn't have the the no. luxury of of falling apart in 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 anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas their health, they did not have that luxury. So the only option that they the only thing they knew was to be strong and keep pushing. And so she she and her two brothers, Tyler and Luke. I think they took that and just put it in everything else that they did, and that's how they excelled. Um, but it was it was not thanks to the dad for instilling. It was it was not instilled in them. It's one thing to instill a virtue yeah. in your kids. It's one thing. It's another thing for life to just teach them. Unfortunately, that was their case. Their culture or religion states that they live life a certain way right mm-hmm. that's like the foundation or the, the the backbone of what they are um or what they grew up to you know to learn and then plus what their father thinks that you know they should be doing what i'm really curious to know which does not excuse you know the whole book in a sense but i think it would have also been nice for her to like give a little background on how the dad was raised in yeah. a sense right and also to his position in his family is he the first the last born because for me it will help me to also know kind of what the heck yeah, is I see, right. you know what i'm saying <laughs> um but i also want to know where he gets all this what he got all these ideas from who put these ideas in his head how did he arrive at yo this is like this, this is like that that story that he told about the neighbors was wild it was like the yeah. story you know i read in that book and i'm like how did you cook up something like this? And who are all these guys just sitting here believing every single word you say? You know, um, my name is last, um, 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 the previous generation to this one, the beauty about this generation is, you know, with social media, you know, with social media, we've been, we've been exposed to, a, exposed to a lot. Um, not necessarily that, you know, we're picking up a book to read, which is sometimes tedious to the majority of folks. But we do a great job at reading headlines. You know, if we had to get a grade on reading headlines, we'll take 200 on 100. <laughs> but the thing is, headlines too sometimes are very misleading because yeah. big baits, right? So, what the fuck was I going with that? Sorry. Huh. About everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it just left my head. Go ahead, Barbara. I'll think about this again. <laughs> oh, what? I myself. I've even forgotten the question I was about to ask. <laughs> Something just passed in the air. Oh, so that's going around too, huh? <laughs> Everybody having amnesia. trying to compare the previous generation and that generation. Like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, So in a sense, it's like, we know better or we think we know better according to what society shows us now versus what society was then to what the previous generation is thinking. And then, you know, most times now we just do. We're not just sitting waiting like, yo, do you think I should do this? Nah, it's, I'm going to do this. Whether you agree with me or not, that's your problem. I'm going to do this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's that difference um, between then and now. So, and then just um to our mothers and you know sisters and it's 
it's a lot different now. You know, they're a lot vocal about a lot of things. Not to say that they were not vocal before, but now it's a lot more. And to some extent, even way past that, I even want to see or hear. But um, that's a topic on its own. Um, but yeah. I think huh? I was trying to... I, oh, no, I, was, I remember what I was trying to say, that the, she did mention a snippet of how her father grew up with her grandfather. I don't remember what chapter, but she did like a quick summary of when the something happened. There was an accident that happened, and she somehow shifted it towards the, a story that the grandmother and the mother always tell them how they... Because the, the father's father had an accident, and his survival was something similar that had happened to the dad he pulled himself to the porch it was what the father did and they, they say there's a there's a legend that it was the ancestors the father's ancestors that lifted him up so she did have a background they grew up in horses the grandfather brought horses that's how the grandfather taught them how to train wild horses so she did give a background like a little snippet but it was not a full story and she was she said it is not based on her account is what her mother tells her and the funny thing she was frustrated because every time she spoke to somebody different they had a different story so the accounts are a little bit different but she did give a little bit snippet of what the dad did and the mother used to say it all the time that she doesn't understand because if you meet the um gene westover's mom she was a little bit different it's like she spent her entire time fighting with the son because she opposed to his ideas his way of living when he said they don't drink milk, that's when they decide to drink milk. When he said they don't eat cereal, that's when she decides to eat cereal. So she lived that. So I think Gene Westover somehow, because she he did go to school. He has his degree. He went out of school. So it's some I I, I think it's somehow when he went outside, his mental, his bipolar that they say he had just kicked in at that point in time. And he decided to twist Momon into his way to feed. Gene Westover, but Tara did give a snippet of what the father was like growing up. Just well, they said that her her older siblings did go to school a little bit, and they mentioned that yeah. bipolar or something starts at the age of like twenty five or some something like that. But it even when they um, her mom and dad originally got married, it says that they were not always the way that Tara remembers. So at some point in the book, she says that her older siblings remember a different version of her father than she does. So I think that they, they, there may have been two different versions of her father. And I think it is the mental issues that caused a lot of like the latter part of what we're seeing in him. Mm -hmm. I think that if, if, if the dad had his ways, you know what I mean? If he had powers to bring a group of people together he would he would have probably created his his, his own cult but okay. um that's a nice story for a whole different day let me get you guys um interested in this and this real quick let's speak about diversity and inclusion um within this book you know um how did you guys see that represent itself here oh uh you're talking about excuse my french uh when sean used to call tara the n-word whenever she had um What's it called? When they were in the junkyard. I think there was a whole part when they were in the junkyard and every time she got cold or anything on her face, she used the N-word. And I think it's something that he had been used or he heard it from his father. And so he used it on her for a long time. And she did not know what it meant until he took her going to school to learn the meaning behind it. And then that's when she started challenging it or she didn't like it. Or that's when the first time that Sean turned her upside down whenever with but something happened when she challenged sean when he called her 
the n-word i i in terms of that particular part of it um can we blame them because they didn't know any better if that's what they grew up in you know what i mean well this is this is um i is it Salt Lake City, this is, uh, what's this? Utah. Idaho. Idaho or Utah. Is it, is it Idaho or Utah? Box, box speak. Box speak. It's, yes. This is heavily white driven. And so I'm pretty sure there were little to no brown people, black people in that place. And so <laughs> racism or diversity was little to no existent to them. And so she wasn't exposed to any of that. So to her, the N word was a normal thing. She did not know behind what it is. Her brother just called it. She's a girl. She's never been outside. And so she just thought it was normal to her. And Larry took her going to school and having a history lesson about it for her to learn what it meant. And from what I understand, I think the father knew the meaning behind it. That's why he was calling it. Because mm -hmm. I think the father, was, the father was the only one that understood that. I think Sean knew too, especially when yeah, he went right. away and drove the trucks. Otherwise, he would not use it only at that particular instance as an insult. Yeah. Because if you did not know what a word meant, he wouldn't. He would have just used it for cereal or anything. But he chose to use it at a particular time when she looked a particular way to make her feel a particular type of feeling. So he knew what yes. he was doing. It was just unfortunate that she had not left her town ever to have known that i don't think she had ever seen black people so till yeah. she went to the university so it was just unfortunate for her but i think they knew what they were doing the dad but and the older siblings they knew yeah throughout the book every time she did something he had a name for her she put on mm -hmm. makeup it was your whore she put on something is um fish eyes this one, it was this. I'm like, yo, can you ease up on the shorty, man? Like, what's up? What's up, man? That, <laughs> like, I really want us to talk about that whole thing in the way we were doing this conversation because that particular part bothered me because it didn't come from Sean. It started from my father. I was ingrained in all of them. It just, I just felt like it did so much damage to that girl that we, we anyway, let's, that's a difficult, let's finish this topic and then we'll come to that. <laughs> What kind of damage? So, uh, if we go back to, um, so her boyfriend, we had, uh, I don't know, was it, uh, there was Nick, I think Charles, I know somebody else, the very the first one that she met when she was doing dance class. The first time the boy touched her, she said she was a whore in her head the entire time. Just from touching her. And I think it, I'm okay this. I need to. These boys had a lot of patience and love for this girl because they stuck with her despite all of that. She wouldn't let you touch her. If she wore makeup, she thought she was a whore. If she wore skirt above her knee length, she defined herself as a whore. Anything, if it was not dripping the first, she said she was a whore. If she thought about a boy in the wrong place, she considered herself a whore. Why? Because her brother and her father had told her that her entire life. Do you know, like just to your mental health and your 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 self-esteem, your confidence and everything else, it damaged her. Let me say use the damage. Damage is extreme. But I think it just it is the word. Mm. So me, yeah. me, so me growing up, every time I fail exam, they say Dalton. Every time I would do, they say Dalton. 
So I grew up today like this. I should go and be thinking about that because they kept calling me doting. I should go and sit down and hold that to myself because they kept calling Let's me. Let's see, you're different. Now, this to me, this brings up the whole book sheds light on something that I think that we especially as Africans, we take for granted in our families, right? Growing up, girls, boys, that was, to me, I did experience something like that, right? where your brothers would be insulting to you. I don't know if they thought that it was going to make you feel, you know, like to straighten you out or, but they will call you names. If you grew up with boys, it was a normal thing. They'll call you names and all things. But sometimes you forget that people are not different and words follow people, right? When you ingrain something and you call somebody names multiple times and, oh, you're stupid. Oh, you're, you're silly. Oh, nobody's going to like you. Yes, you're going to end up pregnant and have 15 children. You're never going to go to school. Things like that sound sometimes in families as normal family banters. But we forget that words haunt people. And sometimes people laugh it off just because, you know, it's the only thing they know how to do. That's the only response they know. But those things carry into adulthood sometimes. And you bury that trauma deep down and it's coming out in different ways that you don't know. And, you know, we don't identify things like that in African homes as trauma. Now, sometimes people like you, aka, are different. Where words like that, it's like, je m'en fous. But there's a lot of people, a lot of adults going around who grew up hearing things like that, that are still not right in the head. And that's something to me that the book shed lights on. And it's like, we have to do better right now in this generation with how we're raising our kids, with how we're talking to our kids, with how our kids are interacting with each other. So that's just something to me that was remarkable. Sometimes. I mean, I get what you're saying. Let me start there before they say I, I, didn't, I, I didn't acknowledge what you <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I understand exactly. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. What? Man, we cannot be in a jungle and you see lions and tigers running around and you tell me to just go and walk. It's normal. And not experience it within the confines of a cage. I refuse. I, with the brain I have. No. Lions are not friendly people. I don't care if you give them milk and I'm watching you giving them milk to see that they don't eat flesh. I don't care if you have five people standing in front of vegetarian anything. lions. I am concerned. <laughs> I am not touching it. I am not standing in front of it. I am not doing none of that because my experience of that is this thing is going to kill me at first sight. You know what I'm saying? So because I know that I'm not going to, going to try it. I don't care whether you, Therese, plus Mane and Barbara, all of you pools together are sitting on top of that lion. I don't care. I'm not going next to it. Now, some people know that, but they still will choose to go there. And then when that lion bites them, they'll come back running. Hey, can't feel sorry for me. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. Let's begin there. I'm not doing that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> number two, seriously, this is number two. Some people just need to learn how to have thick skin, man. This world in itself is brutal. It's unfair. It's unkind. Learn to have thick skin with certain things. Not everything will go your way or not everything will be the way you think it's supposed to be. And I'm not saying that people should just walk around being cruel. No. 
But there's just certain things that you just have to learn to have a thick skin about keep moving. Just certain things. I don't know. Not certain things. Everything. I'm like, AK, I have, a, I have a couple of questions for you. Just based on what you said. <laughs> uh -oh. like, let's finish. Let's finish Taras book first and then we'll keep moving. And then we'll get, you know. But, uh, but sure, shoot. <laughs> we have, we have uh, eight minutes. Shoot. It's Mr. Lingo's No, T, are you done? Huh? No, so I see if you're done with your point. Me? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, okay. See, you see the, the example of the thick skin and, and the, the lion, right? Because CD said we're not all different. We're not the same. We're different people and how we manage things and know things. However, will you say you know the lion is going to eat you if you come out of the cage? Or it's going to harm you? Or it's not fancy because maybe growing up from a little child, you were taught to be cautious to be careful of those dangers those, those things mm -hmm. like would you would you say that yes yes okay that's the first thing and then the, the second thing you say you're let me, see, let me stick with that so if we are bringing it back to this book will you come would you think this girl's environment terror west of us environment using the word specific what we're banking i think we're talking about the fact that what her brother said to her is stuck with her onto her adulthood life. And it was just something that was subconsciously in her back of her head in everything that she did emotionally invest with her. Are you going to, do you agree that even though she know it wasn't that, but because she grew up listening to that, she didn't know any better. And that's why she did the things that she did. Would I agree? Yeah. 50, 50, just because I want to. Well, not, not, not that. Oh, 50, 50, because 50, 50, because she's human, right? And as human, there's certain things that she'll refuse to see, maybe even when presented in front of her, and she'll see otherwise, or there's certain things that she's just, I don't know, trained her mind to be accustomed to, and then there are other things that, you know, were engraved in her, right? That's it, yes, yeah, now, so the engraved is the thing, um, I think I'm kind of getting into, because I feel like a lot of that was engraved in her, it took a long time, like years. Yeah, I'm not denying for her to get over that. It's for it to, you know, erase. But as you grow older, as you grow older, you, Barbara, as you grow older, somebody did something bad to you. As you grow older, you carry that thing all the way to, to, to old and not let go of it eventually just because uh, nobody taught you something otherwise or, to, or not to see it in some other way. And I might just hold grudges. You never know that. And I just like to hold grudges. Now, you're holding grudges. That's on you. That's your problem. You're the one who is choosing to hold it because you you know the other side of that. But you're choosing to sit on that. You're choosing to keep holding that grudge. It's not that you don't want to let go. It's not that you don't see otherwise. You just want to hold that. But this thing is that they, they told this girl from the time she was born that if she just looks at the boy, she's a whore. If she smiles at the boy, she's a whore. If she wears his skirt, she's a whore. In fact... Her breasts developing naturally, she's a whore. Mm -hmm. Her boobs growing naturally, she's a whore. Mm -hmm. so tell me if you have spent 15 years because she started dancing when she was what, 15? Mm -hmm. Yes, you have spent 15 years of your life hearing that. Please help me understand how this girl is supposed to unlearn that. I cannot begin to tell you that. So that's the point I'm trying to make. I was just, it's not, I think I was just like, Sometimes in certain situations, like I see what you're saying that yes, you should as an adult, you should learn on learning and growing, but giving people grace because I'm like, 
if you look at her circumstances and look at yours, it's like, well, that's like a, that's a difference in how we grew up. A huge, massive difference. And it's the same difference that I'm, I'm, I'm in acceptance of, right? I'm in acceptance of that difference. I'm not denying it. But at the same time, I cannot sit here and tell you that, yo, for like the next five years, you should sit there and keep feeling that same way. I know people have different ways of healing, but the minute a certain amount of time has passed, that your that your thing that you keep holding on to, now you're choosing to hold on to it. It's not because you don't want to let go. Now, you can sit there and tell me that you cannot put a time span to it, and I would totally agree with you. But where me, myself, and I am coming from, I would tell any and every person, your healing has a timestamp. After that timestamp, don't bring that shit around me. When we together, let's be us happy. Now, you want to be mad? I'll remind you this shit happened five years ago. Let go of this shit. Let's move on. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, listen. You, you know what? I can, I have a thing. I can respect that. It, that I, 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 I can respect that so much. <laughs> I think I would have to disagree on that. And that healing is not a straight line. Healing is not linear, right? Say something happened to me today. Not five years down the road, will I still feel the same way that I felt today? No. But will I still feel a tap away about it? Yes. And, and, and just because I feel a tap away about it doesn't, doesn't mean that it's not valid. Because the way that the, um, the depth of the trauma, it's one that only I can feel. I may not be able to explain it in a way for anybody else to get it. But yes, if I'm feeling five years, if five years down the road, I'm, I'm feeling as hurt as I felt the first day, then okay, um, then I have a lot of work to do. But to say that, you know, I should be completely healed in X amount of time. It's, it's, um, I don't think healing has a time stamp. Let me put it like that. And physical healing or mental healing. I don't think it has a time stamp. I 200% agree with you, right? I 200% agree with you. And let me walk down as you explain, right? Like, yes, there's no time, there's no time stamp to it. And, you know, five years down the line, I'm not expecting you to forget everything 100%, but I'm also not expecting you to remember everything like it happened just yesterday, like most people do. Now, where I'm coming from, I'm saying, don't, 10 years from today, don't be talking to me like this shit happened yesterday. It happened 10 years ago. 10 years ago. If 10 years from, I mean, 10 years today, you are still speaking with that much anger, conviction, like it just happened yesterday. Oh, Jesus. That's my cue to run away. Either you could just <laughs> shut up, let's enjoy this moment, or we could just part ways. No hard feelings. And I think I have all the right to feel that way. Was well, let me put it that way. You do have the right yeah. to feel that way. Yeah. Just like the other person has the right to feel yeah. the way that feel. But yeah, I, I, I get the point that you shouldn't you shouldn't feel the same way. But okay, okay, I've never experienced rape, right? But I've read about you know rape stories and, and rape experiences, and to some people, it's it's so bad that even when they have their own kids, they guard them with so much that they actually are doing that to the detriment of the kid. 
yes, they have to heal their trauma in order not to pass that over to the kid. But um, that doesn't mean that the, the hurt is not still there. Yeah, I agree with you. It does not mean that the hurt is not still there. The hurt is still going to be there. But like I mentioned in one of um, our podcasting episodes that we recorded, right? Like someone like me, for example, I kid you not. And and I don't mean it's any way offensive, shape or form. Like for me, if I'm dating somebody or if I'm going to get married to somebody, I so wish and I pray that they tell me that, yo, that was something that I experienced. If they know for a fact that they're still dealing with that, give me the opportunity to walk away so that I don't have to deal with this. Give me the opportunity to walk away because I don't want to deal with it. Now, I'm not saying that what you're dealing with is not bad. It is, but I don't want to carry that weight. Jesus carried his cross. Does that mean I have to also go and carry a cross? No. He gave me a different type of cross to carry. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It's a different type of cross I'm carrying, which is not visible to most people, which I am carrying and most of us are. So with that sense, I want to be able to pick and choose what type of cross I carry because there are some, there are some crosses that are very heavy for me. They're just very heavy. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I, as as somebody who has lingered to get healed of something, right? I would say this. Um, it's true. There's no timing on healing, right? But past a certain point, you have to ask yourself if you really want to be healed. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, and I'm saying this, and before you know, as somebody who has lingered with trauma. And sometimes you feel so attached to that thing that you don't want to let go. And that delays your healing process. And if something happened, and I'm not, and just like Eke said, it's not like you're going to forget completely. But if, you know, something, you know, like you used the, the case of, let me not use that case of sexual assault before they say. But if something happened to you 10 years ago and you have your kids and it's reflecting on that, that's a clear sign that you need to go and get healed. Yeah. That means the way people say that healing has no timeline is if you are in that active process of get, of being healed. That's the process that does not have a timeline. It's not how long you hang on to this trauma. That's not the timeline. So if you're not actively in that healing process, you're on the clock. You, you really are. And I'm saying, and I'm literally saying this because as somebody who has been there, and sometimes it's the only thing you have holding you to that, is the only thing you have that is linking you to that moment. And you feel sometimes like if I get healed, it's like erasing that part of me, or it's like I'm taking, there's a whole part of me that I'm going to let go. That shit ain't healthy. Now, until you decide that you want to actively do what needs to be done to let go of that trauma, you are on the clock because then you're going to start snapping on people. You're going to start piecing people off. You will start projecting. Mm -hmm. That shit has to be on the time clock for your own good. Now, if you're in the process and doing all that, yes, there's no, it's not like, oh, you have to be in therapy for six months for this. You can be in therapy for three years for it but you're actively doing the work that is needed for you to move on. I'm going to say this to that point too. You know, like my man, as I always say, broke boys should not date. I know this is wild, but if you're not ready to heal, 
Oh, Yemla is healed again. If you're not ready to heal, for for example, I don't even want to use like see the rape for example. Please spare that woman or that man the burden of this cross that I want to put on them. Because some people want to help you heal, but because you don't want to do it, you're not helping them help you. Well, it's not that job too, but at least they even try. But because you don't want to, now it becomes a total problem. So yes, for you who want to heal, I bet go and do your job before you come and start dibbling and dabbling into other things and think making other people feel bad because you want to be stuck where you want to be stuck. Anyways, public service announcement for people who think and feel like me, go get the healing you need before you come and disturb us talking about empathy and grace. We don't have it. Empathy and grace is for work in progress. It's not yeah, for yeah. work. It's not for something that's sitting on the shelf. Exactly. We don't have it. Please, you push nothing. <laughs> Stop making us feel bad because you want to feel good about yourselves. Go and actually do the work to feel good. Yes. I've said it. Now, anybody wants to be mad, pick a number and stand in line. And then I'll call your number and then you come up with how you feel. You know what I'm saying? But anyways... And see, and it's not just, just to mention, right, it's not just sexual assault, right? And it's the same thing, even if we look at the book, Tara did the same thing. She was not healed and she was trying to date people. And passing that trauma and giving these boys responsibilities that they're not equipped to carry. And so it, she did the same thing in the book. Like you have all these things, this baggage, you should not be connected or emotionally connected to someone if you're not even in the process of healing and that's why i feel like for some reason i don't know i guess drew was god sent they lasted longer than anybody else but every other guy she dated was like i give up and some there were times when she her brother would beat her up and stick her head in in the toilet pot uh uh, uh and she will go in the room and cries like, I think he's going to kill me. Should I come and get you? No, don't come and get me. And dude is like, what the hell? He's going to kill you if you stay in that house, but you don't want to leave. Now, where does that put that person? And so I, I agree. Before we start going around and, you know, uh, 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 what they call it, yoking ourselves to people, at least the least the least you can do to that person is is be on that journey of healing that's the least you can do for someone because people are not equipped don't your trauma you are equipped to carry it don't transfer because i know i don't want to carry something that i'm not equipped for you yeah. will break me then me and you will end up in therapy for different reasons <laughs> it's, it's also possible to feel like you healed and then you meet somebody and just unravel the whole thing. You're like, wait a minute, I thought I healed from this. But See, it's if you thought you right? healed from something, he word, if you thought you healed from something, please, when it happens, like you say, you thought you healed from it, just keep thinking you did. Find a box and lock it and throw it far away. I just keep thinking you healed from it, please. <laughs> pull, pull a Tara's, a, a, a Tara's mom. <laughs> saying more, saying many times it will, it will, it will be your reality. <laughs> or, or better yet, better solution, is, better solution is, do not say, "This is why I'm traumatized by this thing in that particular moment." 
Yeah, you ain't healed. That is true. And say, just zip it. But Wait the following day when you're very calm and then bring it up like a topic of conversation and don't show no trauma in the thing. Just talk about it, bring all the points, but you don't have to say trauma. We don't really have to be saying certain things though. We really don't have to be using certain words. We could just have a normal conversation and just go about our day. Because sometimes when you put a certain word to something, it gives yeah. a connotation to it and it makes the conversation way harder, way tedious than it's supposed to be. Also, understand that, AK, once you heal from a trauma, right, that thing becomes a trigger for you. Yeah. And, and just as you mentioned, right, a trigger is not a rehashing of the trauma. Now, a trigger, what a trigger would do for you is like, be calm and then discuss it and say, okay, this, when this happened, this was how I felt. That's dealing with, uh, with a trigger. Now, if something happens fresh off the bat and you go zero to a hundred, that's clear indication that you just swept it under the carpet. You did not hear. Those triggers will never go away. They're there to, they're like scars. They, they, they will forever be. But now you've gained that control to be able to identify and say, ooh, this is about to trigger me. But now you are rational and logical about how you approach it. It's different. Before they come and say, Therese said, please, let me put, let me put my PSA. <laughs> this conversation actually reminds me of a line in The Mountain is You where she said, and what triggers you heals you. And yes. in as much as I don't agree with it, I, I later on cannot agree with it because you will not know if you're healed if you're not triggered. And yes. depending on the emotions that is being triggered, you can tell based on the intensity of the emotion that's being triggered, you can tell where you are on that healing timeline mm. or tra trajectory. Preach, money. You know, it's like, for example, to what you're saying, money, you know, for, you know, for example, uh, uh, um, you know, two couples just chilling and then one person chews like a cow. You know, the person hates when the other person chews like a cow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, but because this person likes this person, this person loves this person so much, they have to find a way to deal with it. So they've shocked it for so long. They can't shock it no more because this person just keeps abusing it. So they find a way now to talk to them in a very nice way. Like, hey, man, listen, man, I know that, you know, your father's raised cows growing up and you interacted with them so much. But please, that attitude is long gone. You don't have to keep chewing like them. Eh? Now we are surprised, eh? you know what I'm saying? Things like that. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. but that's a pet peeve, that's not a trigger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a trigger is linked to trauma, but you know, <laughs> I get your point. <laughs> you, haven't, you, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't had trauma to you know, people just chewing, chewing yeah, like trust that. me. I laugh because that's something I cannot stand if you chew loudly. I but anyway, I digress. It's not connected to the book. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, man, listen, man, listen, listen, listen. I think we went wrong there for a bit, you know. It was it was it was good to let let off. Hey Barbara, uh uh Barbara, no, you guys are just you know, they're just smiling. You guys all have traumas too. And man who have traumas here. We're so excited about the trauma thing. You guys are just sitting there. <laughs> They are healed. <laughs> we are I, the ones with triggers. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> eh? What are you saying? What? 
No, so I'm just listening to you guys or where the conversation is okay, going. Okay, so, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. We well, trigger bring... happy. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. You know, um, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Um, educated, a memoir by Tara Westover, I think. Yeah, Westover. Um, what are you guys' conclusion? Nora, let's start with you. As we wrap up this episode. I think that the book was, it gave me good perspective. It made me appreciate my education. Um, I always say to myself that no matter how much student loans are knocking on my door, I would do college days over again all the time. So a book like this definitely makes me appreciate my education. Just not even just college, just education period. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, that's a sad life to live. Ignorance is not bliss. I don't think that ignorance is bliss. I think that that family could have, I mean, it is what it is, but I think their lives have definitely been different in many ways. Um, yeah, I like the perspective of the book. I, I feel really bad for, I just hate the fact that she had to go through what she did with Sean. Um, yeah, it's something that's, that I wish for nobody, but it was, it was definitely a good perspective for me to just see how, how blessed I am by my education. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nora. Oh, for those, for, you know, for those listening, what do you do? Uh, what was? Ah, that says it all. Okay. Move, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. That says it all. Let's move on. Oh, uh, Barbara. What's what up? up? Oh, the book. Educated. I like have headphones on today, by the way. You know what I mean? You sound very, you sound crystal clear. You look like you're about to go perform, perform a, you know, perform a song. Because you know those people, that headphones go backwards. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyways, continue. Sorry. Uh, educated. Uh, see, nah, I'm not such a look like it. Give one second for me. Anyway, this book educated. Yes, I do. I'm going to piggyback off of of Naranda that it, it it gives you a different perspective into education and the importance of it in people's lives. But I think each character um, taught me something from the the dad to the mom. There's one thing about them that the father, the parents, especially the dad, he was very family oriented. If anything, he was very heavy on that. So his definition of what family is whatever his definition that was because he had a crazy definition of family, but to him, he was very family focused, which I think that was a good thing. Um, however, the main character of the book, Tara, she is what I call um, an embodiment of self-improvement because looking at where she started from and to where she is right now, it's that is a lot resilience and self-growth for anybody and i think it's something that anybody can learn from if you read the book especially from her there was a part in the book that i think it was very hard for me to listen to i think from chapter 34 to about 36 the ending when she had the whole mental breakdown i was so emotionally invested in it that i had to fast forward it was too much for me to watch her go through that but it took her going through that for her to get to the point for her to snap out of whatever phase she was so she her character specifically i think she's something that every woman or any person woman man needs to learn from because she is a walking billboard of self-improvement like i started from nothing and this is where i came so you cannot tell me that 
all these obstacles you cannot overcome them because baby girl had obstacles she had mountains to climb she had rugged paths to go through she and she somehow figured out a way i think her the resilience built from whatever her vibe was she figured out a way to surpass them and get to where she is so but it's it's a good read it's an amazing read um it teaches us it teaches us a lot it, it does it does it teaches us a lot um and it gave me a little perspective of how people can use religion to manipulate people <laughs> like, it opened my eyes to a lot of things so if anybody has the opportunity i do recommend to read it just be patient when you read it it's a good read and you're going to learn quite a lot from it so. mm -hmm. thank you thank you thank you Mane. um what i like about the book is um because i have read a couple of memoirs and this is the first that um develops more than one character because other memoirs are read um the author of the you know memoir is the person you know that the person talks about their own life unfolding but doesn't go um as much as in depth into the other characters like this book did and um like i said the book evoked a lot of emotion which was both triggering and healing and it also gave me um you know different perspective of because in as much in as much as it may look like the father and the other kids um who did not have a phd they were also educated but they were not educated formally so it gives a different perspective of you know different kinds of education because in a day today you that people are being homeschooled and it's something that i've always wondered about like people are being homeschooled so people are being formally educated you know how how does their life turn out but you know there is research to show that people who are home homeschooled for a couple of years end up going to a formal school and, and you know yeah, in a nutshell, it's um, it's an unconventional way for me in relation to all the other books I read, and um, I feel like it opened my mind or it broadened my mind to see things from a different perspective. Yeah, so thank you, thank you. See, what's your conclusions? Man. This book is nothing short of inspirational. Um, just to, to see it and see what is possible if you apply yourself. It, to me, that was, that was priceless above everything else that, um, was in the book, right? It was just, and I could see myself in parts of the story. Um, I think like everyone else said, like there's some triggers in there. Um, it, but at the end of the day, the book is, it's, it's so hopeful. It's just, I'm looking at all this, I'm reading all this and I'm like, it's possible. Like it is possible. So it just, that's all, I, when the book ended, that's all I kept saying to myself, it's, it's possible. 
that's it that's that's how i just would conclude like it is possible and i hope i hope tara writes uh, you know i would like to read more about her life maybe her, her dad give us more background or how the families do and where she says she doesn't talk they don't talk anymore but it would be nice to get a part two <laughs> yeah a follow up yeah so um i don't know man yeah i don't said it all but i think this book yeah like t mentioned and i think most everybody that resilience um that push to want to change your outcome or no change your noun right to something better and not just being stuck in it and complaining and saying oh man these are the cards i was dealt with and just stay there right um you you take the cards that you were dealt with and you know you make the best out of it so i think that's like the greatest of it and most of all too going and you know capturing three different phds and some of us never have one yeah not to say it's a race you know what i mean but just to say like it's not the time you got a point to get one man then we got three and that's big man but anyways listen um each and every one of us here uh social medias will be you know in the show notes in the show notes if you know you want to reach out to discuss this book and you know further i don't know about the others but you know what i mean i discuss in the comment section so don't hit me up to discuss not any text message because i delete that text in a heartbeat anyways um let us know what you think if you think you know we did a great job let us know if you think we did an average job let us know if you think we sucked at this please let us know as well but please that may be nice you know because some of us don't take constructive criticism very well you know we are still learning <laughs> like that here we are getting educated you know to become better better uh people of society you know but yeah take it easy on us you know we are still learning we are coming but we definitely appreciate um your feedback and 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 you know questions or comments or or concerns to this so yeah um thank you for joining us i'm gonna try to read this prologue you know i mean you guys bear with me as i'm learning how to read too as well uh <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for joining this book club discussion on educated by tara westover it has been it has been our privilege for you to hear us for you to hear our thoughts and perspective on this remarkable story um tara's journey is one of is one of resilience self-discovery and a transformative and a transformative power of education she overcomes incredible obstacles to pursue higher education and forego her own path in life her story is a reminder that we all have the potential to learn and grow regardless of our circumstances educated is a it's a very powerful testament to the importance of storytelling. Tara's story has the power of connecting individuals, share experiences and promote understanding. It is a story that needs to be heard. I hope that our discussion has inspired you to reflect on your own journey and to appreciate the power of education and storytelling in your world and around you. Um, again, this panel, I'm one of your hosts, Uncle AK. My good folks, Nora, Manny, uh, Barbara, T. We make up this book club. We don't we don't have a name yet, but we'll just put it on stuck in the middle slash Pamai Central for now until we'll come up with a very, very brilliant name. I'm sure, you know, one of the beautiful ladies here would think of something, you know, as 
as they you know have their pillow talks or what have you about you know this this, this conversations but anyways there's a collab between stock and mirror and pan wine central follow us like subscribe we appreciate it and we out mm -hmm.